0: Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there is something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Movies. Welcome to our second part of Faith, Hope, and Trick, the episode everyone has been waiting for um, in anticipation because we're just such brilliant women who have such good ideas. <laughs> um, no, but Faith is such a fun character to dissect, so I'm excited to kind of have a spoiler section to talk about that. Okay. So... Um, If you guys haven't guessed, this is our spoiler section. So if you have not watched the show before and you're not caught up or you just dozed off and then I went on to the next episode, this is the spoiler section. We will be spoiling stuff. So for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and for the show Angel as well. Major spoilers yeah. for the show Angel. Yes, especially this episode. Yeah, I, it's just crazy. I Watching it back again, it's like it is weird to picture the show without Faith. And mm-hmm. it's so weird because Faith is not in it as much as most other characters. But the impact that Faith leaves not only on Buffy but also on Angel is like insane. Like, it's crazy. There really is no Buffy the Vampire Slayer without Faith. Season two had a lot of sadness in it. And like a, a bit, they kind of dabbled in a little bit of a darker themes. Even though Angelus himself is a dark character, I think sometimes they still kind of tiptoed the line with Angelus. They could have shown us a lot more. But I think season three is really just kind of switches the show's tone. In my opinion, because like Angelus was bad, Spike was bad, Drusilla was bad, Buffy was good. Even at the end, when she had to kill Angel, it was like, it was very empowering and it was very much like, Oh, Buffy's going to save the day sort of thing. Whereas I think season three, other than just the undertones of mental health and sadness and all these things, it's just a lot more heavy. And I think this is just the first time in the show, starting from probably, I'd say, this episode on, it's just the show just feels different. Like, oof. Like, I don't know. It feels a lot more real. Like, I can relate to it in a lot more real sense because Faith is a lot more relatable in a dark sense and I think we've seen in Buffy thus far. And so – Because of that, it makes the show just so much more interesting in a deeper sense from here on out. Not that it wasn't beforehand, but I'm just really excited to kind of like talk through each episode because there is so much that is said and unsaid from here on out.
1: And I think it's really hard to like classify one specific season as, oh, okay, the show changes so much from here on out because I think every single season has such drastic change. We're going to see... Huge change next season in season four when like the lineup changes. Some characters leave, some stay the same. Like we're now on the college campus, we're no longer in like the library. And so, and then season five, obviously things start getting darker. We start going into the magic box. Like every season, there's just some sort of change. But I will say having faith around changes so much because we get to explore another aspect of Buffy in faith. And I think faith is the first legitimate morally gray villain that we've had in the show so far because Spike was clearly very evil and even though he teamed up with Buffy at the end his he just he doesn't care whether Buffy lives or die and even though Faith definitely has those moments where like she does go full on villain she's still very sympathetic and it's still kind of It's hard for Buffy to even attack her or kill her because Buffy sees so much for herself in faith. And so I think it's going to bring up some really interesting moral questions for this season.
0: Well, she's also human too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which
0: is really interesting because even when she kills people and she does things, Buffy is not the ruler of humans. Like – Immoral humans. So she can't just sit there and be like, you know, I'm decided to kill Faith. Like, and that's what makes the season so interesting is because it's like, if this was anyone else, if there was any other demon, she would have to kill her. But it's like what you do when it's a slayer for one, uh, but then also a human. I don't really remember. I think we've shared a little bit of our opinions on the show Angel. Me and Tabby have only seen the show Angel once all the way through. And I do think at some point we're going to need to rewatch it and go through. But if there is – One thing that I highly recommend about the show Angel is watch Faith's Crofts over episodes. Yes, like I already liked Faith's character. I thought she was interesting. I thought she was like just such a complex character. But I didn't love Faith's character until I watched her on Angel, and I just was like, wow! It really just elevates her so much. Like it has just become such a beautiful story. And it just changes how you view her completely. Um, So if there's anything that I can tell anyone about like Buffy to do extra, it is watch the crossover episodes on Angel because they're monumental in her story. Yeah. I remember
1: when I first watched Buffy season three, I didn't like Faith. I actually didn't like Faith for a couple of rewatches simply because she's just – supposed to be she literally was created by Joss to be Buffy's shadow self. So she's initially created not to necessarily be a character that you're like, "Oh, yeah, this is my favorite character." It was only because of Eliza Dushku's um charisma that over time they decided to keep her in longer and they realized they actually had a story here and you start to see her being more relatable, but I just see even though Faith is broken, even though she has trauma and she's reacting out of that She does some very vindictive evil things and she's very jealous of Buffy and it's hard to see her hurt Buffy in very highly personal ways. And so because I'm so protective of Buffy, I kind of don't like anybody that hurts Buffy, that hurts Buffy and Angel specifically. And so watching Faith kind of trying to move in on Angel, even though Angel doesn't give her the time of day, watching Faith kind of be like, Oh my gosh, like feel entitled to everything that Buffy has worked hard for without even Riley. like Yeah, or Riley. Yeah, season four Faith. No one know?
0: talks about that. Can we just say that? No one talks about yeah. that.
1: I know, I can't. I know. And no one talks about the fact that she, you know, assaulted Xander too. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Faith is given a lot of grace. Yeah. In some areas that I think she should be called out for. Because her arc is so good, and we do actually see redemption, and that's mm-hmm. not to take away from that, but yeah, so i I just did not like faith when I first saw her, and it was very jarring in season seven watching her come back, being like, "Wow, this person is very different from the season four faith that just took off, and it wasn't until two years ago when I watched Angel, and I finally saw this crossover episodes, and I was like, "Oh my goodness I." should have seen this a long time ago. And so I wholly agree with you, Leah, that if you're going to watch anything, that I, I, think, I think it's good to watch Angel because it is part of the Buffyverse and it does fill in a lot of gaps and stuff. But I think Faith's arc in particular is very needed to understand the impact of season seven.
0: Speaking of season seven, I thought it was funny that Joyce kind of foreshadowed season seven when she was talking to Buffy and she was talking about how she was like, if there's one Slayer, can't there be like another one so that she can do your job and, and then you can retire and all this stuff? And it's just funny because I know a lot of people have their differences about how they would have wanted the show to end. I personally really, really love the ending of the show. And I think that it is so beautiful for Buffy. And I just like to see a little hints like this where even before season five, which was the original finale, that... Everyone kind of wanted Buffy to have freedom. Yeah. All right. So let since
1: we're already kind of talking about Faith, we'll kind of go into that a little bit more. It's really interesting how Buffy canonically throughout the seasons never really liked the idea of having a second Slayer. You can see her kind of bristle when Kendra comes around and then she kind of warms up to Kendra. And then Faith comes around and Buffy bristles again. And then it's kind of like, oh, hey, they bond a little bit, but there's always some sort of unspoken tension. And I I do think over time that Buffy does learn to depend on both Faith and Kendra. Um, And I think there is this understanding and this bond that both of them have a situation and have had a destiny thrust upon them that literally no one else can understand. And it's interesting to watch the show sometimes because there's this narrative of, oh, there's only meant to be one of us and that's why we never got along and stuff. And I love how the show blows that out of the water in season seven, like you're talking about with Chosen Leah, how it's like, hey, no, it's not actually because there's only supposed to be one of you. That's a huge patriarchal thing that they've said. Oh, there's only supposed to be one of you. Girls don't get along because, you know, a bunch of garbage. No, it's because you set it up To say, hey, you have power and you can't share that power. Like they set up the system to make it so that girls would be at each other's throats when in actuality, the power is better shared, you know? And I think that's a beautiful thing. But with season three, it's really interesting that Buffy starts to kind of see a little bit of herself in Faith and the potential of where she could go. And I'm really excited to explore that a little bit further because once Faith joins, The dark side, (laughs) the evil side, Buffy suddenly realizes, oh, relating to faith has suddenly become really scary because what can I become? If I'm what faith could be, that means that potential is in me as well. And I think that's such an interesting question. Um, Faith's deceased watcher is the first mention in the show, besides Giles's grandmother, of a contemporary female watcher.
0: Yeah, I wrote that down too. I was like, dude, like, finally a woman watcher and she ends up being like
1: brutally murdered. I know, sad. But I think it's also kind of paving the way for Mrs. Post, Gwendolyn Post in Revelations. Um, Buffy is uncomfortable from the very start by Faith's enthusiasm for slayage. Faith demonstrates her hunger for food, sensuality, and slaying. We see that in the Zeppo. And Buffy worries about Faith stepping into her shoes, which we see in Who Am I? So this episode is actually incredibly foundational for so many episodes to come. We see the Zeppo. We see Revelations. We see Who Am I? We're also reminded of Buffy's death and Kendra's death in Prophecy Girl and Becoming Part 1. Joyce finally learns about Buffy dying. Um, And then also the fact that a new Slayer is called when a current one dies, Giles tricks Buffy into admitting that Willow's spell works and he'll trick her again in helpless. And we also learn that Xander has never told Buffy that Willow was trying the spell again and becoming part two. So there is a lot of stuff that kind of is set up and also kind of paid off a little bit in this episode. And I just, I think it's so critical.
0: I know. I wrote that down, too, where – not all of that. I mean, you definitely got more than I did. But I wrote down more of the fact of I did not realize how much a face character was set up so early on. Yeah. Like, you see her unhealthiness with slang. You see her kind of rashness and – her aggression and taking it out on slang instead of dealing with it in a healthy way. And I mean, obviously we've all seen the show and we know, you know, how, where that leads faith and stuff, but it's just crazy how consistent of a character she is.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad they didn't go down the route of having her commit suicide, like they were originally planning. I think that would have been so dark. I mean, I mean there's so many other dark things in the show, but I think it would also would have kind of been interesting to be like, okay, what happens when a Slayer just hmm. is at the end of their rope to the point where they commit suicide? But then we would have had another Slayer come along, um, and I'm just, I think what they did with Faith was a lot more interesting. But how tragic would it have been if she would have killed herself, and then we would have never had the beautiful arc that we do have with her.
0: Well, I think what Buffy does best is they can have a lot of subtext for, like, depression and, like, a lot of stuff that they could still do through face character rather than just, like, fully going there. Um, There are a couple other situations I could think of where I'm like, maybe you should have taken the metaphoric route rather than the actual <laughs> deed. Um, just because I think that's better writing. And I think Agreed. that it's, like more interesting to watch and I feel like it just removes all possibility of just making more art um through a character and I am also like at least with some storylines I can see where they were trying to go at least but with faith like killing herself I really question what they would have done after that And what the purpose of that was supposed to be and how that was like going to affect Buffy, what the reason was for it. So I don't know. I just feel like it would have been like just too dark and I feel like it would have been hard to come back from that. I kind of disagree. I think that Faith killing herself – I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Faith and I love her character. But I think her killing herself would have been really sad. But I think it would have been so fascinating because it's like – you know, mental health is already such a weighing aspect that p- some people carry. But it's like, then you add on to that, like the literal burden of the world dumped onto a young teenage girl's shoulders. Like, I think that that's a very realistic thing that sometimes it would just be too much for someone to bear. The only reason I'm glad, well, for multiple reasons, I'm glad they didn't go that route is A, I love Faith and I want, you know, to her to stay on the show. I think it would have been too much trying to introduce a third Slayer into the show. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, I think that I like that they only did two because it gives you the feeling that they're not immortal, but it's not so much where you're like, okay, another Slayer. I think it allows us to see
1: two different sides or aspects of Buffy. If they had mm-hmm. added a third one in, I don't know how much...
0: more vastly different
1: they could have made her you know like she was just buffy was just in the middle of this spectrum and i think they did a very good job of showing the extremes of both sides and how buffy kind of straddles Mm -hmm. both those lines
0: they make like a liability slayer one that's just awful at everything she does yeah right Buffy's life harder she's like gosh you're just so horrible and lazy at being a slayer i have to pick up all the work i'm like what else could you do all right, so let's
1: talk about Scott Hope for a second because we're introduced to him in this episode and I always forget that Buffy has another boyfriend other than Angel, Spike, and Riley. It's Scott Hope. <laughs> and um we, we can rank them right now if you want to, but in my opinion, I think Scott Hope is a fairly decent boyfriend <laughs> comparatively. But I'm curious, what are your guys' thoughts on him? And how do you feel his introduction was compared to the introductions of Riley or – I mean, I guess Spike's not really an introduction, but you know what I mean.
0: I really like him and I I think he was a great boyfriend to Buffy and everything. And I like that his introduction is so random and out of the blue. And I like that they do that because I think it's almost telling us like this guy isn't permanent. Like Buffy doesn't even think he's permanent. I think it's supposed to give the feeling of he is very much a rebound. You know, which is sad. But I I do like... (laughs) Which is sad. (laughs) No, it is sad. But I I like how it's done. Well, I was going to say something sort of similar. I think that the way they kind of bring him in is very obvious that he's not going to stay. And I don't know if I agree with him being a rebound. I think that she did like him. I don't think she had enough time to realize... If the feelings were real, or if they weren't, or if they were just, oh, we're dating. Nothing more than that. I think that he was really sweet. I don't think she was necessarily really into it. I don't think it had to do with Angel as much. But I think he's really sweet, and like I really love his character. I wish that we had more of him post-breakup. Um, or even just more of them as a couple. And this is so funny because I'm such, like, a Bangel fan. But, like, seeing them together, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. I feel like I just want Buffy to be happy just, like, a little bit until she goes into her, like, really <laughs> sad, like, like angel relationship <laughs> for season three because they're just so tortured together. Um yeah. Because they love each other so much, not because they're, like, big with these awful. But I don't know. Sky so Hope is, like, a little sweetie cutie and, like, I just forget that he's supposed to be closeted gay because I just don't really understand that storyline. Um, I'm like, why did you throw this in in season <laughs> seven? It makes no sense to the Scott Hope we saw in season three. Right. Well, they – I mean,
1: yes. And that's conversations with dead people where we find out Scott told everyone Buffy was gay and then came out himself. The reason why is because the actor – fab something or other he played on the show where he played a gay man and he was in a relationship and stuff and that's probably like his most iconic role and so i think when they said that he was gay it was supposed to be a nod to the actor being on that show because i I think that's the only reason they threw that in there because i mean yeah scott seems pretty into buffy but again you know things change. Look at Willow. You know, Maybe mm-hmm. he's more fluid than we think. I don't know. But yeah, it is kind of funny how he's like, yeah, he told everybody you were
0: gay. And Buffy's like, I dated that fool. <laughs> I kind of wish – Okay. It's so funny because they paid him off to be so innocent. And then like an episode later for like homecoming, he's supposed to have like asked somebody else out immediately. And then Faith is mad at him. And then later on, it's like, yeah. He spread lies about Buffy. I'm like, y'all aren't Making him the same character, like I feel like you're yeah, just like writing someone different, odd. yeah. Yeah, so, like after they date, just I feel like they just kind of did a disservice to the character. It didn't really quite make sense to me.
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't really feel like Scott Hope is that necessary of a character in the show. I think that they could have not put him in and achieved exactly the same thing that they wanted to. I feel like they literally just put him in there to create tension between Buffy and angel in like the next couple of episodes. But I think he's just not done very well. He's done very obvious. Like Leah was saying, he's done in such a way that you're like, yeah, he's not going to stick around. And I feel like the show is a little bit better than that because we already kind of did this with Owen. So I don't really feel a need to do it again with Scott, but that's just my two cents. Nah, I agree. All right. Let's talk about Mr. Trick for a second because I absolutely love this guy and we've talked about him in this episode. I know Leah loves him as well. So after Principal Robin Wood, Mr. Trick is the longest running character of color in the series, and he's only around for five episodes. Isn't that so? Yep. yep. Sounds That's about
0: right. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is embarrassing. And so, it's also frustrating because it's like, dang, I love the show, but y'all make it so hard sometimes to like. <sighs> but also, mm-hmm. can I talk about like, Principal Wood for a second, because his character is really only a catalyst for Spike's redemption and or a back a storyline for another white character's growth. His backstory is Spike's backstory. Like, I'm, like they really just did not represent his character well enough either. He was kind of boring. And I'm like, you guys, like he's the longest running person of color. And this is what you give him. That's it.
1: I know. I feel like they dropped the ball majorly with Robin Wood because mm-hmm. I actually think he's a really interesting character as the only child of a slayer yeah. that's been in recorded history. I feel like there's a lot they could have gone with that. I feel like um, Principal Wood was a like really cool character too. Like He could fight vampires as a mere mortal human. Yeah. He kind of reminded me of Gunn from Angel. In the mm-hmm. sense that Gunn is human and can fight really well as well. Like, has another no disserviced Black character. I know, exactly. But I think that, like, there's a huge ball drop there. I think it would have been so cool if maybe they had moved Robin Wood to Angel after Buffy ended. Like, he would have been on the team Angel. I think that would have been so cool to delve into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, there's a lot. But okay, so Mr. Trick. So it goes Robin Wood, then Trick, and then Kendra are the longest running people of color. And it's very hard because there are multiple times where Trick talks about racism and his blackness and the show's lack of blackness. He says it a couple different things, kind of like tongue in cheek to kind of like a wink and nod at the audience. Like, yeah, yeah, we know. But then they kill him off five episodes in. And it's another thing where it's like, it's not enough to acknowledge. And again, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. It's not enough to acknowledge that there's a problem if you're not going to do anything about it. That makes you just as bad. It's not – you can't just say, oh, yes, we see that there's a problem. Wow, points for us. No, it doesn't work like that. you know.
0: I also just feel like it's such a wasted opportunity because – I love Mr. Trick. I think he's so interesting. I'm like, dude, why couldn't you guys keep him in mm-hmm. as long as like Spike in the second season? Like, he would have been yeah. fascinating.
1: He's especially interesting because he's very different from any vampire we've seen so far. I would say he's definitely closest to Spike, but he is very um he's even more like technologically minded and futuristically minded than Spike is. So like, he comes in and he immediately assesses that Kistos is going to die. It's such a hard word for me to say. He assesses he's going to die and is like, well, all right, I'm leaving. And then immediately goes and arranges Slayer Fest with a bunch of the competitors. And, you know, they use the computers and all that stuff to hunt them down. And then after that fails, he goes and works for the mayor and kind of becomes his hitman. And he's the one that hires Ethan Rain later on down the line in Ban Candy and then he is the one that is trying to find Buffy and Faith once Alan Finch has been killed. And the reason why they killed Mr. Trick off, and this makes me really sad. I mean, this isn't, I haven't like looked this up or anything, but I'm guessing this is why they killed him off. So initially they were going to kill off Faith as we've talked about before. Faith literally takes over Trick's job once she kills him. So I firmly believe that they were probably going to keep Mr. Trick around for longer. But once they decided to kill – or once they decided to keep Faith along, they decided to have Faith take Trick's job. So therefore, Trick had to die. And it just is like, ugh, we could have had both, you know?
0: Which it's hard because I do think that Faith makes a better villain. But it's like, okay, it's okay to kill off Trick's character. But then why weren't we given another character, like a person of color, in his place?
1: You know, I I honestly think Trick was a wasted potential. I think he could have stuck around to the end. I think he would have been really really interesting and fascinating. But I understand why, because they wanted to put the focus on the mayor and Faith. They didn't want the focus to be on Trick. But I, it is also kind of a really clever misdirect because Trick comes in the same episode, um, or he comes in season. Three episode three, which is the same episode that Spike did. And then he kind of gets relegated to the back burner and you're thinking he's going to be the big bad. And then when he finally meets up with the mayor, you're like, oh, this is the real big bad. And then he gets killed off and Faith rises. So it's just kind of interesting how the season takes a turn that you don't expect. So fun fact, the employee that Trick pulls out of the – what's it? The burger place called? I don't even know. The hamburger place that he's eating at. His name is Zach Hudson and he is also the monster in the episode Superstar in season four. Also, huge missed opportunity in not making that place the Double Meat Palace, or at least making the Double Meat Palace that, like, isn't this like burger? I don't even remember what this place is called. I think it's
0: called, I wrote it in my notes. I think it's called Happy Burger. Yeah, it's called Happy Burger. Oh, it's Happy Burger.
1: Yes, you're right. But like, they should have had Buffy working at Happy Burger or they should have made this the double meat palace. I think that would have been really cool.
0: I did want to mention that Willow and Giles' relationship towards magic in this episode is very interesting. This is the first time she's really doing magic behind Giles' back. And this is the first time we've really seen him concerned. She goes like, oh, are you mad? And he he says, no, but you can tell like there is a part of him that is very – uh Kind of not okay with it.
1: I felt like he was pretty concerned when they were talking about it and becoming part one too. He was like, no, Willow, like these are magics that you're you know, you're opening yourself up to. I feel like the difference here was that Giles doesn't really express it as much. I think he's just kind of realizing that Willow's already started down this path and there's nothing he can do to stop
0: her. I kind of viewed it as like as kind of him being like using the scare tactic of being like here are all these things that are terrifying about magic and yada, yada, yada. And this one is more of like, oh, shoot, she's going down that path. And so it's like his approach is kind of like a, I don't really know how to handle the situation. So I'm going to be kind of passive aggressive because I don't agree, but I don't really know what to do. Whereas the other one was very much like, I'm telling you about something you have known you know nothing about, so therefore I can make it sound awful. If you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um. All right. So fun fact. The band Darling Violetta that is performing in the bronze several times this episode, specifically when we see Faith, they are also the band that would later write and perform the theme song to Angel the series. Isn't that cool?
0: That's so cool because Faith becomes such a monumental character on uh, Angel. And so it's like cool that they play on the first episode she's introduced.
1: Yeah. I I personally absolutely adore the angel theme. I think it is beautiful and haunting and it perfectly represents that show. I, I absolutely love it. I love it more than the Buffy theme. Um, did you guys catch the moment where Faith thinks Giles is young and cute and everybody's grossed out except for Willow who doesn't raise her hand? Yeah. I was like, ugh. Well, it's really funny because this is pretty much – it's confirmed in Where the Wild Things Are when everyone discovers Giles is singing and playing guitar and Willow confesses to having a crush on him, legitimately the
0: only good part of that episode. She confesses to having a crush on him? Yeah. Guys, I don't remember anything in that episode. I've literally <laughs> – there are very, very – I think there's like two episodes, maybe more than that, in Buffy <laughs> where like, I couldn't tell you what the synopsis is other than them just having sex. That and the Double Meat Palace, I just – I hate them both. I can't do them.
1: Okay. Are there any episodes that you guys are absolutely dreading talking about in the show? Where the Wild Things
0: Are, Double Meat. I don't like Gone. I really hate watching that episode.
1: Yeah, Buffy's like at her lowest
0: there. I can't. Invisible Buffy. She goes and like
1: cuts her hair and then has invisible sex with Spike and then like she's wearing that awful wig and the social worker comes and it's just like thing after thing after thing
0: i'm not excited to talk about the episode that buffy gets seeing red it's it's like a it's a good episode but it's like it's just like painful i don't want to watch it again yeah hell's bells too actually hell's bells makes me more depressed than seeing red not gonna lie Just because Uh, it's the way that it's directed is supposed to be eerie and uncomfortable. Uh, It's like a weird lighting, makes you feel very weird. It's an indoor wedding while it's rainy. Indoor weddings freak me out, guys. I can't explain it. They make me uncomfortable. Indoor weddings freak you out? Yes. (laughs) They're so uncomfortable. They're very dated. They're very uncomfortable. But the fact that this one is in like one of those churches, the music is just unlike something I've heard on Buffy. So it makes you really uncomfortable. Like, all of the undertones for racism, like, a horrible family abuse, like, Spike being the douchebag that he is in that episode, just everything. I, I can't do Hell's Bells. It just makes me depressed. Not because of the ending, because of, like, him walking out. It's just everything, all the directorial decisions in the episode just make it really uncomfortable.
1: I'm not looking forward to talking about where the wild things are, obviously, because I don't know how we're going to cover that episode. <laughs> There's not really much of substance, but anything much of substance to talk about in that episode. I'm really not looking forward to talking about Restless because that is going to be a beast of an episode for us to talk about. I'm not looking forward to talking about the body. And I'm also I'm also dreading uh, once more feeling. Really? Yes.
0: The big episodes are kind of scary, you know, because it's like there's so much to talk about, but I'm not a huge season six hater. Um, I don't like a lot of the things in there, but most of the episodes that I don't like watching happen to be in season six, but they're not the ones that people usually think they are, you know, so – I don't know. There's
1: a four to five episode stretch in season six that I absolutely yeah. is my least favorite stretch of the entire show, where Buffy is just so depressed and yep. Willow's at her lowest.
0: I think that's just really hard. De- for me to Actually, watch, Dead but- Things, Dead Things is probably number one for me. Not gonna dead lie, this is hard. I yeah. that is a rough episode for me to watch. So I can't even imagine. Like, it's just the depression, the defeat, the hatred of herself and Buffy's eyes in the episode. To me, is at her peak. And dead things more so yeah. than gone and just everything that it's happens. Hard. I just, it's, it's disgusting. The episode just makes me really mad. Yep. I agree.
1: All right. So something else that I thought was interesting was the giant stake that they used to put into Kakisto's chest. Uh, this will happen again with the Turricon with Buffy having to find another means to kill them because just a simple stake is not going to work. And I think that's very consistent with the very, very old vampires um, and I, I just really enjoy the consistency with Kakistos, the master, and the Turrican. Say what you will about season seven, but I think it's it was very ambitious with its villains. And I think the Turrican is one of the best villains. Like they really made him nearly impossible for Buffy to kill. And I, I really, really think that raises the stakes. <laughs> also, it's interesting that Joyce is worried Buffy's slang will detract from her life and from her being able to get into a college And while she's not wrong, it's also really sad because the thing that ends up detracting Buffy from college is Joyce's brain tumor, which is really, really sad.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: So we talked a little bit about how Buffy and Faith should never really have met because there's really only supposed to be one Slayer. But there's a big theory out there, and a lot of people see it as canon, that – Faith and Buffy actually have an attraction to each other and that Buffy is kind of supposed to be a metaphor for closeted gaze. And that the reason that Faith is so jealous of Buffy is because she actually wants Buffy for herself. And so it's really interesting. I was reading um, a post from a user on Tumblr, her insect reflection, and she was talking about how in Faith, Hope and Trick, you know, the three important characters that are named in the title are really essential, and the most of them is Faith, obviously, and her relationship with Buffy frames the rest of the season. And she talks about how the other two characters, Mr. Trick and Scott Hope, are relevant in how they relate to Faith because she ends up subsuming each of their narrative roles, and that's why they're grouped as a trio. I'm paraphrasing what she has to say here. She talks about how Mr. Trick takes up the role of the little bad early on in the season and then joins up with the mayor, but then it's Faith who actually kills him and replaces his role. Same thing happens with Scott. She's saying that Scott's purpose in the show is to demonstrate Buffy's lingering guilt over killing Angel. And – it's she says Scott that verbally destroys him by embarrassing him in front of his date and excises him from the narrative and he's never seen again from this moment. I slightly disagree with that one because I think he leaves the narrative simply because of Buffy, not because of Faith. But she says that Faith takes on Scott's role as the doomed alternate love interest who unintentionally repeats the trauma of Angel. And her correlation is at the very end of the season, she says that Buffy kills Faith and even have like the forehead kiss and all that stuff in the hospital. And then they fight. And I don't remember what episode it is. It's the episode where Angel and Buffy lie to Faith and pretend like he's turned back into Angelus again. But basically saying that there's parallels between Faith and Angel and Buffy having to kill both of them and kissing both of them. So I'm curious what you guys have to think about. Let's just say specifically about... Faith and Buffy having an attraction to each other. Um, And you can just summarize briefly because we'll definitely go into this later on.
0: I think that they kind of already set Faith up to be a very sexual character. And I think that they already kind of have made the correlation between sex, sexuality and slaying. We see that with Buffy and Angel. We see that with Faith and Xander and just like... We see it all over the place how there's a lot of... They use kind of slang sometimes as a metaphor for sex. I don't... I never personally saw anything on Buffy's end. Um, But I could definitely understand how people interpret it on Faith's end. But I think that ultimately they just made Faith's character very sexual in general.
1: Yeah, um, I agree.
0: And then you put her... In like a one-on-one with another person. And it's like, I feel like I understand why it's interpreted so sexually. I personally just see them as like friends or slash enemies, but I understand how people see it otherwise.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it exactly, Leah. I think that Faith was written to be very hypersexual. And so because of it, she sexualizes everything and most people that she's around. Um and I think that most people that Say that Buffy had an attraction to Faith, don't recognize the depth of Buffy's feelings for Angel. Because honestly, Buffy has eyes for literally no one else in this season, with the exception of Scott Hope, the one episode that Angel's dead, you know, or that Angel's in hell. And honestly, I see it as it's not that Faith wants to be with Buffy, it's that Faith wants to be buffy. Faith has a very ingrained jealousy from Buffy and we see that laid out in this episode. Every I think everything that drives Faith is jealousy and insecurity deep down. I think Faith sees that Buffy has her friends, her family, her watcher and she knows that she has nothing. There's also another side to it where Buffy has also seen Faith weak and Faith does not like to show anyone weakness. And so I think that there's a sense where Faith resents that Buffy sees her as weak and has seen her as weak. And so she feels like she has to project this certain persona around Buffy in order to make up for that. Uh, Season three is really interesting in the sense that like we talked about how we're going to explore more of Buffy's dark side, but we only kind of just tap into it and it will be explored more in depth in season five. And I think it's interesting that uh, Faith talks about how like slang makes you hungry and horny. And I think that is very canonically correct because we see, you know, Surprised with Angel, the Harsh Light of Day with Parker Abrams after she slays, The Iron Team with Riley, Where the Wild Things Are with Riley again, Smashed with Spikes, Gone with Spike. Obviously, there's other. Is The Iron Team the one episode
0: that makes you yes. die laughing? Yes, it's like that so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Weird. And I'm not one of those people to be like uncomfortable during like. Sexy time on television. I'm just more of like, nah, I just skip it. I'm not like uncomfortable watching it, but like that makes me so on. Un- who directed that? Who who did that? Which it's one? So uncomfortable to watch.
1: The I and Team, it's the one where like they're slang and then they do like the montage back and forth of like Riley and Buffy like come close together. And <laughs> oh,
0: oh. Having no, no, sl- it's like no. slow awkward sex
1: it's the most uncomfortable thing where he like takes thing. her boot off of her foot and like yeah <laughs> it's just, he, like, super romantic no, but no, no. Like, the literally title no chemistry. No, the title's no. weird too the, the,
0: the part for me is when he's standing with his arms just spread across and she's just kissing his chest it's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever
1: yeah, and then she like licks his his um, finger. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, so weird. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, I'm not looking forward to that in season four. Um, but I will say, so my point not bringing up all of this. I'm not just trying to like, okay, let's talk about all the times Buffy had sex. Um, but it's interesting that in Buffy versus Dracula. Buffy patrolling at night instead of sleeping with Riley implies that slaying fulfills a need that is similar to a sexual need. Ever since the gang calls on the first slayer at the end of season four, Buffy starts to explore more of the primal part of her slayer nature by turning patrolling into the hunt. And I thought this was an interesting Um, distinction. So this is from All Things Philosophical on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He said, the difference between patrolling and the hunt. A patrol is that thing where she wanders around waiting for trouble to show its demony face. A slow night is a good night when you're patrolling. It means all is well in Sunnydale. The hunt is an active search and destroy mission. Buffy wants a good slay. She seeks it out and enjoys it. Granted, patrolling has sometimes turned into the hunt in the past. And that sort of the tipping point. Buffy has a predatory nature in her always did, but it's darkness scares her. It is after all the urge to destroy. And while her urge is to destroy evil things, she knows all too well, it could be used to serve evil as well. And so we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit in season three. I don't think as much as we will as in season five, but there is definitely like an episode or two where faith kind of tempts Buffy down that route a little bit. And I think it's going to be really fun to dissect. And We talked about this before. Part of the beauty of season seven is that we get to see both girls share their power and we get to see Faith has accepted Buffy as the slayer, but she also doesn't try to take Buffy's leadership role. Instead, it's thrust on her. And As much as we hate empty places. I do Faith think... Faith is not the person I hate in that Faith is not the problem. And Faith actually comes out looking even better because if that mm-hmm. was season three Faith, season
0: three Faith would have been all yeah. about that power. But she also went outside to try and talk to Buffy about it. Like, she's the yeah. only one who did that. Yeah. Faith oh. treated her better than we any of We need to stop talking Luffy's about it because I'm getting triggered. I'm getting triggered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. We just did Dead
1: Men's Party. We don't need to go back. But I think there's also another side to it too, is that Buffy needs to learn to share her power as well. And I think by the end of season seven, even when Buffy thinks that she's going to die, she's on the floor being stabbed by one of the Turricon and the first is taunting her. Who is it that Buffy gives her scythe to it's faith. And there's like that moment that passes between the two of them where they recognize the burden, the responsibility of this. Um, And I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful moment because you know, Buffy's learned to share her power and to work alongside of Faith and to learn to trust Faith too, you know? So- All Things Philosophical talks about how part of the problem between Faith and Buffy was not the fact that they were slayers, but just girls who allowed jealousy and fear to keep them isolated from each other. And I kind of disagree slightly. I think that's more on Faith's end, not on Buffy's end, because I think Buffy really did accept Faith with open arms, but Faith burned that bridge so many times to the point where it's like, I totally understand why Buffy was like, I don't trust you anymore. Um. Faith said that perhaps the reason they couldn't get along was that there was only to be one slayer. But Buffy finally figured out that sometimes to be powerful, you have to be willing to give away some power to become better than you were before. And I think that's really beautiful. And that's kind of the whole point of Faith. All right. So I've been waiting for this episode for so long, not just for Faith, but because, guys, we get our first Dawn foreshadowing. Did you guys catch that? It's a good thing you were an only child. Yes. There's actually two Dawn references in this episode. So there's that one where she says it's probably good you were an only child. But there's also the other moment where Buffy's talking with Giles and they're talking about how Kakistos showed up. And then she says that her newest little sister showed up as well. And she refers to Faith as her little sister. And this is going to be a big theme that kind of carries through till the very end of season three, where. Faith looks at Buffy and says, look at you all dressed up in big sister's clothes. And then we ultimately have that dream sequence where they're talking about little sis coming and all this other stuff. So I'm so excited. I love it when we start getting the foreshadowing stuff to come in because it's
0: like, ooh, John's coming, even though everybody hates John for some reason. Undeserved. Poor girl know, went through right? so much. Everyone's like, she's right? annoying. I'm like, oh I my know. gosh. <laughs> of course oh. she's annoying. But she's also yes. the only adolescent someone. Everyone's like adults. So of course we view her as annoying because everyone else has gone through so much life experience. And this poor girl is like stuck in like middle school, early high school, and everyone's dying around her. God forbid, you know, she's a little annoying sometimes. God forbid <laughs> she's a little needy. Yeah, her mom literally dies. She finds right? out she's not even really like a human. Not even real. Oh my gosh, dog. You're so annoying. Sean, how could you have an outburst? You literally just found out you're just matter. Tara dies, Giles leaves, Buffy dies. Buffy dies. Spike betrays her trust. Yeah. My gosh, so much. Xander ends up grooming her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Yeah. That's for that's in the, the comics scene yeah. later.
1: Yeah, no, we we do not talk about the comics here. The comics are not canon. Do you guys, what do you guys think, speaking of Dawn, what do you guys think Dawn would be doing in this episode?
0: I don't really know if uh, Dawn would have kind of a big role in this one, Um, but I do think she would be at the dinner, and I kind of have this moment where when you pan over and see uh, like Faith eating all the food, you would just have uh, Dawn being like, mom, she's eating all the food. like Or just like a really annoying moment where she's like, get her out.
1: <laughs> or she's eating Buffy's fries with her. <laughs> They're both eating the mm-hmm. fries.
0: <laughs> or she rats on her, like Joyce and Buffy come back and she's like, Faith is eating your fries. I just know Don would have said something like, man,
1: I like – Faith is really cool. Maybe can she be my big sister, not you, Buffy? Or like something like that. Or – Dawn would have come into the room just as Buffy was telling Joyce that she died. And Joyce is like, you died? And Dawn's like, yeah, I knew that. (laughs) All right, guys. That is everything for Faith, Hope, and Trick. I'm excited because next week is Beauty and the Beasts, which is one of my favorite episodes of season three. Thank
0: you. Some love for Beauty and the Beasts. Why is it trashed on? I don't understand. Like some of them are like, you know what? I like this episode. I can get if you don't like it, but – The metaphor is great. The acting is great. There's some beautiful scenes. Sarah Michelle Gellar and that episode is so good. I just love – I love everything about it. I love it so much.
1: Yeah. Angel's back. Angels. It's it's uh, beautiful. I know. It's funny because for me, I am not a huge fan of Anne – Dead Men's Party or Faith, Hope, and Trick. Like I think they're okay episodes, but I feel like season three just really starts getting rolling after Beauty and the Beasts Mm -hmm. and Angel comes back. I feel like then it's just like a string of phenomenal episodes. So I'm excited to talk about it. But Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We are having a blast walking through season three with you all. If you guys enjoy our podcast, feel free to rate and comment on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. You guys can follow us on Instagram, Becoming Podcast. You can email us at BecomingBuffyPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on TikTok or Tumblr. Yeah. Let us know your guys' thoughts of Faith, especially. I know she's kind of one of those characters that a lot of people have been waiting for her to come on the show. And I'm excited to hear everyone's varying opinions because I feel like you either love her or you hate her. There's not really much of an in-between. So... With that, you guys, we will see you next week for Beauty and the Beast.